0: All right, so I want to take a poll in church this afternoon, uh, and I'm going to tell you the question, then I'll give you a few seconds to think about it, and then I'm going to ask for your split-second decision. So, uh, also, the rules of this poll are as follows. When we walked into this church, we suspended reality. No longer are you in a democracy, but rather a theocracy, where I'm in charge. So, that means that you have to vote. If you have the ability to raise one appendage or the other, guess who gets to vote? All right, so, now here is the choice that we're voting on. Red or white? That's it, color, there's no other information. Just do you like red or do you like white more? Okay, that's it. That's literally all we're gonna be voting on. So, I hope you have enough information to make that very hard decision. Those of you who would like to vote for red, please raise your hands. Wonderful. Put them down. Okay, I'm assuming everyone else is white, but please raise your hands if you would like the color white. Beautiful, all right, one more time, red. One more time, white, just in case someone was as afraid the first time. I don't know why he's asking this. (laughs) All right, so now I will tell you why I have you raising your hands in church like Pentecostals. (laughs) We get these two categories from the first reading. I'm sorry, the second reading. St. Paul defines what we in the church call white martyrdom and red martyrdom. St. Paul defines both, or rather gives the criteria, and we extrapolate which each are. We are very familiar with red martyrdom, the heroics of St. Joan of Arc being burned at the stake, or St. Bartholomew being filleted alive. Many are less familiar with the martyrdoms of St. John of the Cross or St. Mother Teresa. Make no mistake, both saints I just mentioned died white martyrs of purity, as the church calls it. I said that St. Paul defines them, so let's look at his words, not mine. Our first or our second reading said this, for to me, life is Christ and death is gain. Red martyrdom. If I go on living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. White martyrdom. To die for Christ, to shed your blood in service of the gospel is immediate canonization as a saint and the ultimate offering to the Lord. Now, this is something that the church declares about us, not something we self-declare. But it is the ultimate offering to the Lord. Stories of red martyrdom are usually stories of great heroism, virtue, and miracles before succumbing to death. Wonderful adventure tales of men and women filled with passion and zeal to the end, not for their own glory, but for the glory of God. If the Lord offers this type of martyrdom to us, we pray that we have the grace to accept it with the courage that he offers. However, you can only die once. So I ask you, which requires more virtue? Which requires more sacrifice? To make the ultimate sacrifice and to offer your life once, or to live constantly suffering day in, day out, over decades, growing closer to the Lord, through small daily conversions offered by the Holy Spirit instead of one definitive act. One may have great fervor in their youth and desire to give their life for a cause, righteous or foolish, but who among us has the strength of conviction to carry those beliefs for decades, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, till death parts us from this world? Do we have the strength to die a little bit every day in the hopes that it allows us to live eternally? So now, think back to your vote. I want all of you who voted for red to think about how you might react if the Lord called you to offer your life in service of the church. Now pick some gruesome way to die, and I suggest the story about the seven Hebrew brothers from the Old Testament, and ask yourself what you would do in their situation. Now, if you raised your hand for white, I want you to imagine, and some of you don't have to very hard, but I want you to imagine being 95 and being in a nursing home and not being able to see, speak, or hear. Will you still choose to offer your suffering to the Lord at that point? Will you strive with your life and know that it has as much purpose now at 95 as it did at 25, but more effective prayer since you have spent so much more time getting to know the Lord. I want you to ask yourself if you can imagine the virtue of final perseverance, or if you will despair and doubt the Lord and his promises for this life and for the next. Jesus often teaches through parables, and it's great when he discusses them later. Like in the parable of the seed and the sower, and how some seed falls on the path, the rocks, the thorns, and then finally the good soil. And then he extrapolates the full meaning for the disciples. Yeah, he doesn't do that today. He says the parable, and then he moves on quickly. So I'm going to explain it for you. The landowner hires people to go out to the vineyard in the dawn. The landowner is the Lord, calling those to believe in him. Those who go out as workers in the vineyard at dawn are those of us who are cradle Catholics, the ones who have been fortunate enough to be born into a Catholic family and initiated at the proper developmental ages. How beautiful to spend a life in the service of the king. Now the parable continues, and the landowner sends out workers at around 9 a.m. Now these are usually the people in the 20s and 30s who start having children and start asking bigger questions and realize that religion might be something important in the development of good human beings. The vineyard owner goes out at noon and at 3 p.m. and continues to hire. Let's just call these the middle decades, the 40s, the 50s, and 60s of someone's life, where for whatever reason, life has either in a good way or a less than gentle way brought you to the realization that you might want to start living for something bigger than yourself. This is usually the biggest chunk of people that we have in the rite of Christian initiation ministry, and we love this group of humanity for they are so inquisitive, so thoughtful, and have so many wonderful and not so wonderful experiences to draw from. Finally, in the uh, gospel, the vineyard—I'm sorry—the landowner goes out at 5 p.m. and he hires more. Now, if we read the text and the speech offered by one of the angry workers who has been there since dawn. This last group works for only one hour of the day, yet their pay is the same. Now, let's just be very clear. That is the exact opposite of the Catholic social teaching on fair wages. Now, it's really good if you're that person who has only worked from 5 to 6 p.m., but it's pretty terrible if you're the person who has been there from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m., and you're getting the same as someone who has worked one hour. So now, going back to my analogy... Those people who grumble, those are the cradle Catholics. Those are the ones who have been in it for the longest, who hear this gospel and say something to the effect of this. So you mean to tell me that by the metric of this gospel, if I spend my entire life abiding to the commandments, living chastity appropriate to my state in life, practicing forgiveness, and living by the precepts of the church, that I get the same reward as someone who gets baptized on their deathbed that seems pretty not fair. And it's almost like the church knew that's where your petty mind would go, or at least my petty mind went, because the first reading has the answer. Speaking from the voice of God, the reading says this about the idea of justice and fairness. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Our natural sense of justice tells us that those who convert at the end shouldn't get the same as those who have been in it since the beginning. But the Lord has a supernatural sense of justice. Justice that loves the sinner and not the sin. Mercy that sees the most hardened sinner as his beloved son or daughter. Death is such a finality, a terminus which cannot be reversed, that the Lord offers every spiritual life-draft to us that he can rather than be jealous like those workers from dawn who in the eyes of the world have cause to be angry. We look not with the eyes of the world, but rather with the eyes of faith. And we don't see heaven as the reward for a small guest list. We want every single person in humanity to be in heaven. The first reading continues by telling us that, turn to the Lord for mercy to our God, who is generous in forgiving. We rejoice when people find the faith in any decade of their life. If you were born into the faith and loving parents instilled a deep and abiding love for all the Lord has taught, that's beautiful. If you found the faith in your teens, 20s, 30s, or any decade, even up to the last moment of your life, then the church rejoices. Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Holy Mother Church doesn't care if her children never leave her loving embrace or if they find their way back after many decades. All she cares about is having the most amount of her children possible in heaven forever. So let's go back to our discussion of martyrdom. If the Lord calls you to a red martyrdom, it is always in greater service to the church. It has long been said that the blood of Christians are the seeds of the church. Martyrs and their stories have always been a source of inspiration and hope. And if we are called to that, we know that it will help to convert many souls. However, most of us will not be called to that and are rather called to live to a ripe old age, struggling with sins that have usually bothered us since we were young. Day in and day out, living the life and white martyrdom of a Christian, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, till death finally relieves you from the suffering this life contains. Every prayer, work, joy, and suffering can be offered to the Lord for the conversion of sinners, And yet we often let all of these go to waste. Don't let anything that can be offered as a prayer on behalf of others or yourself go to waste. Remember, our goal as Catholics is to have everyone in the world in heaven. The easiest way to do our part is by offering our prayers, works, joys, and sufferings every day in that martyrdom of purity. And if our life is ever asked of us in the ultimate sacrifice to the Church— then praise the Lord. But until then, we will practice and prepare, choosing virtue daily and putting a death to vice daily in our lives. Memento more.